I was thinking about doing some gambling myself. You know, just a little bit of money. Maybe doubling it and doubling it several more times. I don't know. Kind of just for fun. I was thinking, do you have any tips or ideas about sure things? Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of By the Hook. Colby Powell, Andrew Gilman with you on a Wednesday. So much going on in the sports world. Make sure you listen to our other podcast for our complete week two NFL breakdown. Doing two a week now, one for the NFL, one for everything else, because as we know, the NFL is king. Andrew, not really a lot in the way of college football this week. We do have Oklahoma State and Tulsa, and I've got that line currently sitting at 23 Oklahoma State is favored over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Uh, you like either side of that, or is that just strictly a no play? Now, I, I can't imagine how this isn't a 52-21 written all over. But I don't know what she's going to be like on defense. I don't know what they're going to be like on the line. But I can tell you this, what skill player uh, – you might be looking at maybe one of the top three or four teams in the country as far as skill players go. Give me OSU, and if there's a team total out there, I haven't looked it up, but give me OSU team total on the over – and I would lay the 23. Yeah, yeah. I've played up to 25. Yeah, I would lay the 23 as well. Obviously, I think you want to get it this side of the 24 number because that helps you in case of like a 45-21 type game as yep. opposed to 52-21. So get it this side of 24 if you can. But I'm looking at it at 23 right now, uh, and I like that side. Oklahoma State's defense, you mentioned 10 of 11 starters coming back. Calvin Bundage coming back. Colin Clay transferred in from Arkansas. Christian Holmes transferred in from Missouri. So Oklahoma State's supposed to have one of the best defenses it's had in a while. So I like them this week minus the 23 against Tulsa now shifting our eyes toward the U.S. Open Wingfoot in New York the last time the U.S. Open was played at Wingfoot was in 2006 Phil Mickelson double bogeyed the last hole to lose by a shot Jeff Ogilvie hoisted the trophy five over was the score that he won at in 1974 it was known as the massacre at Wingfoot which was a yep. seven-over winner, still to this day the highest winning score at a major championship. I, I don't. Yep. I, I was looking for a prop bet for winning score, and I can't find one. But I would have to imagine it's a couple over par is is where the winning score is going to sit for this tournament. Well, here's the deal, Colby. You know, players bitch about it, especially at the local level at the club tournaments. The wind, uh, the greens were too fast. The greens were too slow. They were sandy. Uh, the pins were in too tough of a spot. You know what? They still give the trophy away at the end. It doesn't. They don't say, "Oh, well, we deemed the course too difficult. No trophy this year." That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So these guys, you're going to see some of them complain about it. The rough is going to be up to their ankles, whatever. They're still giving away the trophy. And the way I would handicap this thing, you know, the rough is going to get you right. You know, it's hard to gouge it out of the rough. Take the guys who hit it longer because I'd rather see. I'd rather be gouging out from 150 yards. And 220. Now, when you say the guys who hit it longer, do you mean like DJ and Rom, or do you mean like Bryson, who hits it further than anybody, but it could go just about anywhere? Uh, well, DJ and Rom are going to be at the top of your list for any tournament, on any condition, on any planet most of the time. You just can't go wrong with taking them. But yeah, I want the long hitters. If I, if I have to bet one guy or another, give me the longer hitter each time. By the way, last week, I had Harry Higgs. I put 10 bucks on Harry Higgs at 101. I remember that. And I yeah. was... I mean, I was a wreck coming down the stretch on Sunday watching Harry Higgs and watching Stewart sing. He chipped in on 11, about made me puke. It was week one of the NFL season, Andrew, and I had to have my computer up next to me watching the Safeway open because I had 10 bucks on Harry Higgs at 100 to 1, and he finished runner-up. It was, it was a roller coaster of emotions on Sunday. 
well, you know what? I had a couple guys earlier this season, and those screen door opens also these same sort of deals where you don't know you know you don't know what course they're at. You don't you haven't heard of some of the guys in the field, and I've had a couple guys come real close, like Doc Redman, just like their Harry Higgs pick, and they do it. It's hard to pick a winner. There's a reason those guys are seventy five or a hundred to one. They just they're just not going to get it done there at the end. That's for sure. Yeah, it was it was tough to watch. Higgs did get the eagle at sixteen, which gave him a chance, but Stewart Sink was too good. Anyway, back to this week's tournament. Uh, some value down the board. Let me give you two guys I like, both at forty to one. Um, I oh, wow. like one okay. more than the other. So the one I like more than the other is Patrick Reed. You you in love with Patrick Reed at all this week? I don't like cheering for him, but I think that's a good pick. I think it's a really good pick. He was one of the guys I was looking at too, so we must be thinking the same sort of thing. You know he's built for the grind, and you know that he can get up and down from 120 yards. These guys usually are used to getting up and down from the rough for birdies or better. This week it's not going to be that way. Give me a guy that's been there before. Give me a guy that's been in all the big tournaments before and had success. I sort of like Patrick Reed at whatever the number yeah, my logic for Patrick Reed is, you know, everyone says that these are some of, if not the most difficult green complexes in the world. And Patrick yep. Reed is as creative on and around the greens and as good on and around the greens as just about anybody in the world. So at 40 to 1, I think you're getting pretty good value. Another guy, I don't like him as much as Reed. If you're only going to play one of these guys at 40 to 1, Reed would be my guy. But Tyrrell Hatton is also sitting at 40 to 1. He's finished 21st and 6th in his last couple U.S. Opens. And if you'll remember earlier this season, right before the restart, he won in the battle at Bay Hill in March whenever the winning score, I think, was four under par because the conditions yep. were just absolutely brutal. And yep. also, if you look at the statistics, the metrics, measuring distance from center of fairway on tee shots, Tyrrell Hatton leads the PGA Tour this season or, or in the 2019-2020 season in distance from center of fairway, which could bode really well for him this week. If, so what you're saying, Colby, is if you're at your Monday scramble and there's a straightest drive, Tyrrell Hatton's going to win. Yeah, his ball's going to be on the white line. Sometimes they make that white line really squiggly. You don't have to hit it far. You can hit a 200-yard drive and win that thing as long as it's down the middle, right? Yes. The last one of those that I played in, I actually won it. I hit driver, and uh, one guy was about a foot from the line, and I was about eight inches from the line. Well, you had a hole-in-one. It was you exhilarating. Best your round. You, and if you had had Harry Higgs this week, you'd have had to retire because that's an all-timer of a 14-day stretch for you. <laughs> it would have been almost too much. Almost too much. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of the stuff that I'm reading, I saw Hatton as well. Uh, I'm going to give you a pick that's sort of down on the board. We've talked about him all year, but I don't want him to win, but I am going to make a sizable play on him top 10 and a top 20. Tony Finau. Ooh. Okay. Finau at minus 125 for a top 20 finish, I think is a great play. He's a long hitter. He's had success. He's been all over the leaderboard for every tournament you can think of. He doesn't seem to close because he throws in one round in the mid-70s. But three of them are usually pretty good. Give me Tony Finau at minus 125 to make a top 20. Give me Tony Finau at plus. I've got him 3-1 to one for top 10. Yeah, I'm seeing 225, so I love him at anything over two. Uh, for a top 10, and if you want to sprinkle a little bit on it just because it would suck to have him win and bet the other two, I got him at 28-1 to 1 to win the whole thing. So he's up there. I mean, he's a top 10 guy, and I think at the U.S. Open, this is not the time to pick people you haven't heard of, like yeah. Harry Higgs. You're, you're going to be really proud of me this week. You want to know why? 
Why? I am staying miles away from Tiger Woods. He is not being rostered in any pool that I'm playing, and I am not laying any money on him this week. Here's another one. If you want to just go oppo on everybody, you want to bet against someone to miss the cut? How about Jordan Spieth? What makes you think Ugh. he's going to do that after not making the cut at the Safeway? <laughs> Trying to figure it out at Wingfoot. Jordan Spieth is 100-1 to 1 right now. Same odds as Billy Horschel. Worse odds than Brendan Todd. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he's minus one. I was looking at minus 105 to miss the cut. He's basically even money to make the cut. Yeah. That, that tells you where his game is right now. Wingfoot's not the Have you ever gone out to the course? And you're having a shitty round, and then they're like, "I'm gonna go try some stuff." How often does that work? Never. You don't want to be trying stuff at Wingfoot. I feel like he's gonna be trying stuff. That doesn't happen. Yeah, if they could bring all the gadgets out on the course with him, and he could put an alignment stick behind him, and maybe stand his bag up behind him to lean against, and make sure that everything's in the exact right position, maybe he'd have sure. a chance. But it's just, it, it, somebody said it well the other day. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was somebody else. Said right now, Jordan Spieth is playing golf swing instead of playing golf. Yeah. Yeah, and the, but have you ever tried to explain to someone, Colby, how to back your car out of your driveway? It's like 40 steps. You could never do it. If you're thinking about backing the car out of the driveway, you won't be able to move the car six inches. It's too much to consume. And I think that's what he's doing with his golf swing. I think Tiger Woods went through that too. You've got to stop thinking about it at some point and just say to yourself or have someone tell you, dude, you've won major. Do that again. Get the shot. They're all in there. They're all, they don't go away. They're in there. He has that ability. Now, is his mind going to just wrap around itself three times and play every hole like it's number 12 at Augusta where he can't seem to get it onto the green? I think this is the week that, that, that you want to stay away from Jordan Spieth. Yeah, usually every week I take five golfers. Uh, I put $10 on each one, and I hope somebody hits. What I did last week with Harry Higgs, had a few more guys going out there. I'm betting one golfer this week. I'm putting 50 bucks on him. Uh, Andrew, there's nothing you can say that will convince me that Dustin Johnson isn't winning this tournament. Yeah, uh, it's, this is a big name, low odds sort of thing. Eight the to only one guy is that what I'm would, looking at. You're looking at eight to one. He's minus one seventy five. Colby to make the top ten. Oh. I mean, you, so you know he's going to be there. I'm looking at seven to one. The only guy that I would, I'm going to, I'm probably end up betting both of these guys. Honestly, you got to bet DJ, but John Rom at eight to one. I think we're past. Nobody ever says anymore about the guy. Uh, he's going to blow up on the course or he's immature. We don't say that really anymore. You, you, uh, you don't I, I think, think the, the unfairness, perhaps, of the course this week could get to him and could spark that? Maybe, maybe, but what other courses has he won this season? What, what Memorial, Muirfield Village, and BMW Championship, you're right. And guess what courses those were? The hardest ones we've seen since the restart. Yep. Not even close. They've yep. been the hardest ones, and he's played his best golfing. I like him at 8-1, to one, a little more than DJ at 7 or eight instead of nine or whatever your numbers are, but there's no reason to, if you're going to bet one, not to bet both of those guys. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily hate that. I just, to me, in, in my mind, DJ is just an overwhelming favorite. That's Andrew Gilman. I'm Colby Powell. This is by the hook. Find us on Twitter at Colby J Powell at Andrew Gilman. Okay. We tweet the links out every single week. And remember, if you want to hear NFL, we've got a whole podcast just for the NFL breaking down all of the week two action Andrew, flipping the switch to NBA. Now, We've got four teams left. The final four, if you will. Uh, Bubble Madness. We've got the Lakers at minus 180 to win the NBA championship. And then we start getting really good odds on everybody. The Heat are plus 450. The Boston Celtics are plus 550. And the Denver Nuggets are plus 909 to 1 after they sent the Clippers home. The Nuggets, by the way, 
came back from three to one deficits in each of the first two rounds. And in five of their six elimination games, they trailed by double figures. So shout out to the Nuggets, who are the textbook definition of the comeback kids. That is phenomenal. Three to one. I thought they were dead in the water against the Jazz. They got blown out a couple of those games. You know, Gary Harris starts going crazy. Uh, Murray, all those guys were amazing. Uh, to me, to me, uh, that team is nearly unbettable, except for the fact that, hey, listen, LeBron's been in the league a long time. He has zero Western Conference championships, Colby. None won. He's never won one. Yeah, that's a really good point. Not something I thought about. <laughs> that's true. Of course, he's never played in one, but we'll see. Uh, the Lakers are far and away the better situation here. I don't know about betting a series on the Lakers. I don't know about betting a future on the Lakers, but I would lay the points in game one with the Lakers. That's for sure. Minus seven in game one for LA. I love the seven. I love the seven, and I love the first half Lakers. Give me minus four, minus four and a half first half on Lakers. That's where I would start right there. Yep, I agree across the board. Here's here's my only hesitation. The Lakers won both of their first two series in five games. And which game did they lose in each of those series? Game one. one. So, so for whatever yeah. reason, they came out flat early, but I don't think they'll do that against Denver. And I think Denver could just be mentally and physically spent and could have a tough time getting themselves back up on Friday for game one. Not like they're not going to be up for the series and, and give the Lakers sure. a little bit of a fight, but back-to-back seven-game series that you had to come back from three to one down, I mean, that's got to take its toll on you, I would think. So I also what, like the Lakers what, minus the seven in game one. What they do game one against the Clippers? They got absolutely run out of the team. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got demolished. Because they were just coming off that win against the Jazz, the same reasoning that you gave up here. Denver, I think, will lose game one and almost pitch it to them in game one and say, hey, we've been here before, we'll be fine. That that And, and that's what Malone would say. That's what all their players would say, and they'd be right. That's the only approach to take. I bet that they just sort of mail in game one. Yeah, I wish I could have gotten a prop bet last night on whether Paul George would find the bottom of the net or the side of the backboard more times. Oh, my gosh. What did the Clippers do at this point? And all these excuses from Doc Rivers about, you know, how they, uh, what was it, that they had not a lot of continuity in the bubble and all this stuff? Please. Nobody has any continuity in there. And second of all, you think Denver did? They were trotting out all sorts of weird lineups early on in this thing. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a more of a shout-out to Denver, but it's a more of a LOL situation when it comes to the Clippers because, they were not supposed to give up points. They're supposed to be the best defensive team. None of that happened. Yeah, I've got your Doc Rivers stat of the day for you. Here we go. Doc I'm Rivers ready. has been the coach of 23% of all teams that have ever lost a 3-1 series lead. You better say that a little bit slower for me. Okay, so, so let, me, let me rephrase. Let me try to phrase that a little better. So um, of all the blown 3-1 leads in NBA playoff history, Doc Rivers has been the head coach for 23% of them. That's not a good stat if you're Doc Rivers. And I, I'm a huge Doc Rivers fan. That's brutal. By the way, the dude goes to a Game 7 almost every year. He has 6-8 and eight career in Game 7s. He's played 14 Game 7s as a coach. That's, that's not a terrible record in Game 7s, but the point is that he's losing Game 5 and 6. That's the problem. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, last night, Game 1, Heat take down Boston in overtime. Bam out of bio with... 
maybe maybe the defensive play of the playoffs oh, so far. Phenomenal play. It was, I mean, yep. it was unbelievable. But, you know, Jason Tatum goes right by Jimmy Butler. He's got a wide-open dunk, and Bam Adebayo takes the ball basically off the rim and just sends it right back uh, where it came from. So Miami's actually a two-point underdog in game two. Celtics are two-point favorites. This series is so evenly matched, Andrew. I, I don't think I'm touching this series until it's over. Yeah, I, I think every game is going to be what between two and three, depending on who gets out to a lead or who doesn't. I'm, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I like Miami just because they've been hot lately. I thought that they were the play the other night as well, uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know what to bet in this one. I'd probably go. I'd probably keep it rolling with Miami, but I, I think this is a no play and just sit back and sort of watch it. Yeah. Maybe been an over. I will say the Celtics are plus money. They're plus 135. So if you're out there and you do think the Celtics are a better team than the Heat and you think they're going to win this series, you're getting them a plus money right now. And if they win a game and lock this thing up, you're probably going to be getting it closer to even money. So if you think the Celtics are going to come back and win the series, now's the time to bet it when you're getting plus 135. That's true. That won't last, will it? Especially if they win game, what are we on? Game two, right? If they win game two, then it's not going to be plus 135 anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, good stuff. I'm looking to see here. College football is kind of a snooze fest this week. We do have one matchup of top 25 teams. Miami-Florida is at Louisville, and Louisville is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I I don't know. I mean, if if you want to bet the favorite there, you're on the better side of the hook. But are are you – do you have any interest at all in betting Miami-Florida and Louisville? You know what? Colby, I think I'm going to spend Saturday. I think I'd rather spend Saturday watching golf and then trying to figure out which channel to watch on Sunday with the NFL and, and the golf as well. I think I'll probably take a pass on college football this week other than Oklahoma State because I want to see what they look like. Right. I'm actually going to have to watch that game on recording because they moved it from 6 o'clock to the next Saturday. Not only did they move the day, they also moved the time. Well, I'm playing in a golf tournament Saturday, and I tee off at like 9, so I'm going to have to watch the game back on recording. So. Um, It is what it is. But Houston and Baylor, by the way. Oh, and by the way, we're scheduling football games 15 years in advance, and Houston and Baylor threw one together at about two hours' notice, and they play on Saturday in Waco. Baylor's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Houston. Uh, It's a no-play. Like you said, I'm I'm not really dialed into college football until conference play starts, and I'm certainly out on Baylor and Houston this week. A lot of bye weeks this year. It's a a weird schedule, and I assume that, Ohio State will make the playoffs at 3-1 and one this season when they get in those games. Is that, is that yeah. basically what's going to happen? Yeah, when they get started up late in October, the committee's going to say, yeah. well, they look really impressive. Hey, they beat Minnesota and Wisconsin. I like it. They're 2-0. and oh. Why wouldn't they be in the playoffs? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. By the way, uh, I don't know if you saw this story or not. I, I don't even know where it came from, but there was a better last week who laid sixty-five grand on Kansas State on the money line at minus 500. So he laid sixty. Oof. He laid sixty-five Ooh. grand to win thirteen thousand dollars. Arkansas State missing twenty players because of COVID. Eight starters beat Kansas State straight up, and this guy lost his sixty-five k. That's a bad Saturday. Yeah, that's a per- that that's as bad as it gets. And all the stuff that I was reading, no one mentioned Kansas State. Certainly not covering that one. But almost everyone I was reading was all over Louisiana catching the twelve against Iowa State. They didn't just catch the twelve. That's a money line winner right there. And that just goes to show you, Colby, and I know that you sort of subscribe to this. When you bet underdogs, which you have to be able to do, and it's hard to do because you're betting the weaker team, it's always good to take a portion of whatever your unit is and put a little of it on a money line. That's how you accumulate your real bankroll because a $100 money line play on a 250 bet, now you're good. You're good for the next couple weeks. 
And uh, that's a good way to build a, a nice bankroll. And it's a, it's a small amount usually. And you can get good plus 260s, plus 500s, whatever it is. It's always worth it because a lot of times, these, even the short favorites, the short underdogs will win games. Yeah, you're always better off betting a plus 220 dog on the money line. Don't do not do what this guy did. Don't go find a minus no. 500 Kansas State, especially not in college no. football because, I mean, you're dealing with 19- and 20-year-olds, and we've seen in college football over the years, a lot of times you just don't know what you're going to get from week to week. So I, no. I think you're crazy to throw those minus three, four, five hundred bets out there, especially when you can get such great value in college football on a team that's a six-point underdog. I mean, what's six points in college football? Nothing. So, no. I, yeah, I'm, I love me some money line dogs in college football, and I hate betting money line favorites. And week one also, you really have to be pretty ballsy to lay that kind of number in week one. Yes, when you don't know anything about anybody. Exactly. Yep. Good stuff, Andrew. We will do it again next week, and we will have some conference play to talk about a little Big 12 action next week. Yeah, a little revenge game for OU and Kansas State. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, he was going to be about a 40-point favorite. I'd probably lay the 40 right now at this point. Yeah, probably a good play. All right, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. All right, that's Andrew Gilman. I'm Colby Powell. Uh, Thanks for listening to By the Hook. Find us on Twitter at Colby J. Powell, at Andrew Gilman. Okay, listen to our other podcast previewing week two of the NFL. Remember to check out Thrive Fantasy. Use the promo code HOOK and receive an additional $20 bonus with your first deposit of $20 or more. Enjoy uh, week two of the college football season. Enjoy the U.S. Open and the NBA playoffs. We're back next week. Thanks for listening to By the Hook.